Got a favorite Kate Bush song that you just want to leave a couple of thoughts on? Well, you can call our hotline at any time and your thoughts might be played on a future episode. That number is 1-757-349-6886. That's 1-757-349-6886. Hope to hear from you soon. Strange Phenomena now has a Patreon page. If you would like to support the show, then you can visit patreon.com slash Podcast to see what wonderful rewards we're offering for your support of the show. Thank you. And now, on with the show. It has a like a breakdown of all the elements. You have like the heavy fair light drums that are sampled with like the reverb. Um, and then the kind of like sampled fair light synthesizer. And you also have a fretless bass, which is beautiful. And I love every time she uses fretless bass in her music. But it's also uh, kind of special because it's in a different language, which is not something that she does often. Like there are only a, a few other times. And once is like a cover version of another song, a classic Gaelic song. Mm-hmm. But like this is an original song that she's done in another language. And has never recorded an English version of this, as far as I know. to Strange Phenomena, music of Kate Bush. I'm Cecily Link, and this week we're going to be talking about a both a B-side and an A-side called Ne t'en fuis pas, which means don't fly away. talk about the song this week is i'm danny i work at mute records and i am a giant kate bush fan <laughs> yes and we've had you on other episodes of course yes of course <laughs> <laughs> so when we started first started talking about kate bush you had said you really like this song and i was super surprised because like nobody talks about this song i know it's wild So why is this one of your favorite Kate Bush songs? It's like 80s Kate Bush in a nutshell, Mm. in like the best way possible. So it has a like a breakdown of all the elements. You have like the heavy fair light drums that are sampled with like the reverb um, and then the kind of like sampled fair light synthesizer. And you also have a fretless bass, which is beautiful and I love every time she uses fretless bass in her music um, but it's also uh, kind of special because it's in a different language 
which is not something that she does often. Like there are only a, a few other times and once is like a cover version of another song, a classic Gaelic song. Mm-hmm. But like this is an original song that she's done in another language and has never recorded an English version of this as far as I know. No, never um, has. Or maybe she has and it's hiding in a vault somewhere. It's so unique and like so short and sweet and just like a really cool melody and she's singing in French and she's not singing like the high pitch that everyone expects her to be in. Mm -hmm. Like this actually shows a lot of her lower range, which is unusual, you know? Um, So yeah, it's just like a really great quintessential early eighties Kate Bush song. (laughs) And I have to say, this is actually my number three most favorite Kate Bush song. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, so we Ooh, both yeah. love it. <laughs> I know, which is why I was like, oh my God, girl, we need to be talking about this song. Hell yes. Yeah. I know, I was so excited. <laughs> and I mean, like, I'm like with you, like it, it's, she's singing in a foreign language, which she doesn't do often other than um, uh, Le Baiser d'Enfant. Yes. So The Infant Kiss or Nana Aaron. I know I probably pronounced that wrong, but um, forgive me, I'm not Gaelic. Um, <laughs> my people came over here like 300 years ago. Um, yeah she's singing in French which is very unusual and there's never been an English version of this song yeah I I look to see like okay has she ever sung this in English I'm not sure that this would entirely work in English the translations that I've seen have been like similar but they don't rhyme and it's it, it would have to be translated in a different way I totally see what you're saying yeah it would you would have to do more like what they would call an adaptation which is where you take the basic idea of the song and then you use the melody but then you maybe tweak the melody to work it with English like French is very da 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 or da 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 whereas English is very da 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 like with the way right. that the rhythm works. I'm, I'm bringing out, I'm breaking out the francophile nerdiness here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also figured it would be really interesting to yeah. talk to you because you know French. <laughs> yes, oui, je parle français. And I do not, so <laughs> it's really helpful to be speaking to someone that like actually can directly like relate to it in that mm-hmm. way. Because I, I'm totally like, I don't know any French. So it's going to be really interesting mm-hmm. to hear from you, especially because like the way that she sings, like, da, 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 Right, right. Yeah, um, I love that she's singing in French. I love that the the production is seems very simple, but it seems like there's like lots of little tricks or something in the background that right. are going on that that kind of you're like oh yeah there's that other little noise that she puts in the song and the lyrics especially are very mysterious like you're never quite sure like is is this a man or is it a woman speaking and like what it's it's and she hasn't really talked much about the song either I actually did manage to find like one quote from a magazine I know right like this was (sighs) actually it was somebody who um who listens to the show and he messaged me on Facebook and said, Hey, I'm enjoying the show. And by the way, 
here here's a link to some old magazines about her production and i found a quote from her that i'll read later where she actually talks about the production of this song and how she used the fair light on it wow that is amazing i'm really excited to hear that bosco sauce thank you very much Yeah, the lyrics are very mysterious, as you said. Yes. Like, um, they're they're a lot more vague. I feel like, or like, I don't want to say poetic, but I guess vague, more mysterious mm. um, than her previous songs that that seem very straightforward. Like, you can sort of like, especially in the songs that are very narrative based. You know, those are pretty obviously about something. But there's a lot of metaphor, you know, mm-hmm. and references to God, which I think is something that happens a lot more in the dreaming and Hounds of Love, more so directly in Hounds of Love, obviously, with running up that hill. But in the dreaming with like suspended in Gaffa, where she she's mm. starting to analyze these sort of religious themes or rather themes of spirituality that have to do with God and like a higher power. So like the chorus, I'm reading the English translation Mm -hmm. off of genius. So hopefully it's good or direct. Mm -hmm. Um, but, But the chorus, if the great eyes of my God were not watching over me, I would steal you away, which is like so amazing and like such a great lyric. And I, I love the way she sings it in French too. But it, it's very mysterious. Like there's something watching over her and she feels scared, like, like this higher power. And then also the references of a cat like a cat in the night so black. And then the white wings. Mm. Like the dynamic between the black cat and like the imagery of like a dove or angel wings. It's very, I don't know, it's so good. Even in like the English translation is so poetic and just unusual, I think, lyrically to our other songs because it is sort of dealing with these bigger themes and maybe is not as direct. Yeah, because my impression of this song is that I, I get it. I feel like it's kind of about forbidden love in a way. You know, she maybe it's somebody man or woman we don't know uh it's the the narrator is genderless they feel like they need to capture them and they're afraid that oh no you're gonna you're gonna abandon me like either you're gonna abandon me or you're gonna die yeah you have wings you have the power to leave me right and you fell from the sky like an angel Mm -hmm. um like they kind of came into the the speaker's life but they can also leave very easily they can fly away I'm coming like a cat through the night so black you're waiting and I fall under your white wings la 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 (laughs) and I sink and I fly like a feather
Yeah. Like, I that, feel like, like that's somebody who's kind of, you know, they, they're, they're, just, they're falling in love with somebody and that sinking and flying. I feel like that's kind of like the feeling of like when you fall in love that you're, you're, you're falling and you're flying at the same time. Yeah. And like, like I said, that the color imagery is so strong, mm -hmm. the starkness, like a cat through the night. So black. So obviously like a black cat or mm -hmm. imagining a black cat. I'm looking then, around for my black cat. I think she left the room. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and then into your white wings, like it, it seems like an angel is like catching them, but also mm -hmm. like you see that stark contrast of the black against white, um, which is so interesting as well. I'm trying to think of like, I mean, obviously Kate uses color a lot. She has symphony in blue, which is very kind of like that, but it's interesting to have that so directly in that first verse and yeah, yeah it's so beautiful like and the way she sings <laughs> and the way she sings it in French like the Andrew described it once as liquid like when we yeah. were when we were actually over in France together and he was he would listen to me speaking in French with people like just like and then immediately turn over to him and speak in English and then back to French and he said, it sounds like liquid. And that's what it definitely sounds like here. Like, I don't know. That's where I don't think it would work in English because English is very, like, harsh Germanic. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas French, yeah. you know, je viens comme un chat par la nuit si noir. You know, it's yeah. just, oh, c'est très beau. <laughs> it is. I mean, I think everything about the song sounds very liquid, like mm -hmm. the fretless bass. That's something that I love about the fretless bass is that it sounds so fluid. So mm -hmm. like having that and then like this sort of, she has a similar synth tone to um, Lord of the Reedy River, I feel mm -hmm. like. And that song also evokes like images of water and like fluidity. So, and then also with her, the way she's singing and she's singing very low and grounded, but also mm -hmm. singing in French, which does sound very fluid. I have to ask, is her how do you think her accent is in the song it's actually pretty good there's one part in the song i can't think of where it is where like her r is a little still a little bit english i'm like totally french nerding here whereas the <laughs> r in french like i'm always telling my students french is either in the nose or in the throat and the yeah. french r is very different from english like we don't think about it because it's our native language but like the r in english is it feels more like in the middle like in the middle of your mouth right when you're speaking yeah. but when you speak it it's like right in your throat it's like this kind of throaty sort of thing yeah. Sometimes I tell my students, like, you should feel like you're kind of coughing stuff up, but please don't all do it once. Because <laughs> I don't want you to sound like my cat's giving me a present at midnight. But yeah, her, we, her French accent's pretty good. I, yeah, I was curious to ask you because I read, like, one YouTube comment that was like, oh, her accent is very English. And I have no sense of this because I, I'm used to American English and I don't know French. So it's interesting to think of... <laughs> an English French accent. So I figure you probably know better and could say more on that. And I, I do agree, like the English R, the ah, like it, it sits in your mouth a little bit. You know, the 
American R's are a little harder, but they're also like R, like it's mm-hmm. mouth movements. And French R's do seem more like guttural a little bit. So I think that's interesting. I'm going to listen again after this and like <laughs> kind of try and find that now. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to keep going through the lyrics or? Yeah, sure. We'll keep going through the lyrics. I um, mean, we already kind of talked about the first verse and, you know, if the eye, if the big eyes of my God were not watching me, I would steal you away. Sometimes I've seen that part is if the big eyes of the good Lord were not watching what? me. I mean, yeah. see, see like bon Dieu or mon Dieu. And I can't tell the difference when I'm, like, listening really hard. Like, she's got herself doubled at that point. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by doubled is that she's got one vocal part that's singing the main melody. And then she's basically got another track where she's singing with herself. And a lot of singers do that to make their their voices sound a little bit fuller. And right. sometimes what you'll do is you'll have one effect on one track. And then if you sing with yourself on a different track... And you can put a slightly different reverb or something on it to make your voice sound so it'll sound a little bit different. But I've heard it either as mon, mon dieu or bon dieu. Like she kind of doesn't really emphasize that consonant very much. So who knows yeah. what it is? Yeah, the M and the B, they mm. they can be very C'est similar. Dieu, bon dieu. Like she, I hear that on dieu, and so like it could be bon or it could be mon, who knows? You know, I wonder, man, I would have to really dig to try and find it. But I wonder if on one of the vinyl releases, there is official lyrics. Oh, or maybe in the remasters. Probably in the remasters, it'll be there. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited for that. Which, Um, yeah, this episode's going to be coming out in like April, so it's already going to be out, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait to hear humming. Oh my God. I know. I'm (laughs) so excited for that. That's so unlike her to release an unreleased song that in the past. Hi, speaking, speaking of a, a cat through the night so black, we have my cat right here. Y'all can't see, but we got my kitty cat. She's like, oh, hi, mom. I she's come through the very night. very sweet. She is very sweet. <laughs> yeah, um, she says, uh, don't fly. Don't fly away. Uh, you have wings, yeah. the power to leave me. You fell from the sky like an angel, la, la, la. And I'm afraid that the sky will take you back. interesting is that actually in french the word for sky and the word for heaven is the same word um Mm. so ciel is sometimes translated as sky and then sometimes as heaven but then like if you mean heaven is in like the christian view of heaven then that would be paradis so it's paradise just blob off the e oh interesting so again like it's kind of relates to that theory or like the the theme of spirituality, their angels. Yeah, interesting. I love that the the two last lines. I'm afraid the sky will take you back. Mm-hmm. Um, again, and, like going with like the great eyes of God, like watching me. Um, like the sky may take you back. There's that risk 
to, you know, the love or the fear that that the person will go away, um, but not, but will be taken from them. And her vibrato, like Kate doesn't really sing with a lot of vibrato. It's not like a lot of other female singers were like, eh, like it's all right there, you know. And on this, like her vibrato really comes through. And I wonder if it part of it is that, oh, she's singing in French and it's not a native language. It's something she's not quite used to. So she's maybe a little bit more scared. But I've noticed on this song, and especially on the uh, et j'ai peur que le ciel te reprenne, that that, that, like, you really get, like, the shaking in her voice. She has a lot of vibrato on that line. Yeah. Um, it could be that it's, like, a lower vocal tone, you know, it's on her mm-hmm. lower range. Um, yeah, and definitely like, like the highest there there are no high notes in this song. Like she stays like mid range, low range for sure. Yeah. The highest is um uh, that's like not too high for Kate. <laughs> no. Um yeah, and she goes very low. Um and I don't know, maybe you know, at least with my my head voice and stuff versus my chest voice. I feel like it's easier to have a thinner, higher range when you're singing. Um, And it's hard, at least for me, to do vibrato when I'm singing in that really high range, especially in my head voice. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that Kate probably has a higher range and probably uh, with her chest tones. Um, but, But because this is so low and like really on the lower end, at least in the in some YouTube videos I've seen of like her vocal range, this is always on the lower end and it's probably because she can get that fuller sound because it's a little lower. And that's something that she does really well is that she can do the vibrato with the really high notes, which is why they sound good and they don't sound thin Mm -hmm. because, because she has that range. But I think that that vibrato can really come out also in the lower, you know, when you're singing low, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and she does it. She does it really well, too. You know, the French could possibly help as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because French is just, I mean, come on. It's a sexy sound in language, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she goes back to the chorus, if the big guys of my God or my the good Lord or the good God uh, were not watching me, I would steal you away. I'm coming like a cat through the night so black. I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, don't fly away. Yeah, I love the way that she sings the begging. Um, yeah. <laughs> Je t'en prie, je t'en prie. Uh, yeah, I just, it's interesting because she doesn't repeat lyrics much either, I feel Mm-mm. like, in her songs. Or um, if she does, it, it maybe is 
like in a slightly unconventional way. She kind of copy pastes here, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, it's something <laughs> I do with my lyric writing a lot. <laughs> I, and it could be possibly why I relate to this song a lot too. In the English one that I'm reading, not ringing, um, <laughs> it says, if the great eyes of my God, and you're saying the big eyes, is well, there a distinction? In, in French, uh, grand, I mean, it looks like grand. And I usually tell my students when, when I'm teaching them adjectives, it, it means, it can mean, like, it can also mean tall. Like, you, when you just go, oh, mon Dieu, il est grand. Like, oh, my goodness, he's tall. But it can mean also big, like when you're talking about a grand chat, like a big cat. Yeah. But it can also mean, it can also mean grand. Like, French, depending on the context, it can mean several different things. Interesting. Yeah, I really wish that there were, that we could see the original English lyrics. What's especially curious to me about this is that obviously she wrote the she wrote the music, but then there are actually two other writers credited to the, the lyrics on this song which I didn't even realize until I started really digging into this song for the podcast there are two other writers on this song Patrick Jeanneau so J-E-A-N-E-A-U I couldn't find anything about him online except that he apparently wrote lyrics for this song and then a Vivian Chandler and when I poked around, like, okay, who are these other people she wrote with? Patrick Jeanneau. I found no, nothing else about him except that he's credited with writing the lyrics on this song. But Vivian Chandler apparently was an English-born actress who did some TV work and actually performed as an X-Wing fighter pilot in Return of the Jedi. But her footage was not used in the original, in, in the final cut. And she ended up marrying Kate's older brother, Jay. And they ended up, ha they had two sons and a daughter. And she died in 2013 in London, but worked as a photographer with Kate's brother, Jay, and even helped him on sessions with shooting pictures for Kate. Interesting. But she was, so, she was born in England, but she is considered an English-slash-French actress. So I'm guessing that at some point she must have spent enough time in France that she perhaps learned some French and helped out Kate on this song. Or maybe Kate had an idea for a French song and decided, hey... I'm going to try and use whatever, like, high school level French I remember or what. <laughs> oh, man, that's such an interesting connection. You know, my friend, oh, Zoe, you know Zoe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Zoe. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> she has the, the, what's it called, Inside the Rainbow mm -hmm. book that Jay did. And there's a part where he's talking about his girlfriend at the time. I don't remember her name, but it might have been her, Vivian Chandler. Uh, and I'm so curious. And I want to read that part now because I'm really I, I'm wondering what he was saying, because I was kind of skimming over the book. 
but I, that's an interesting connection. I'm wondering, it, uh, Patrick and Vivian, I'm guessing probably did translation, but I'm not sure. I think the infant kiss, I'm not even going to try and attempt and say it in French because I'm not un sure. Bise, un baiser d'enfant. <laughs> yeah, I, <Though> it <laughs> you must got it. Be, though it must be said that a baiser, as long as you don't make that a verb, as long as you make it a noun, you're okay. It means kiss. If you make it into a verb, it means something far more vulgar and it's way more than kissing. Okay, wow. <laughs> um, as far as I thought, when I looked that up, I thought they were credited on that as well, which made me think that they were translators, but I don't remember. So I don't remember if they're credited on that. Yeah, I'm actually looking here. Yeah, uh, my in my um, internet's not working on my computer when Skype is on for some reason, so I can't Google it. But Un baiser d'enfant had French lyrics by somebody else. It was a François Caon, C-A-H-A-N. So different person. Again, another person who when I looked up like, okay, who is this dude? I didn't find anything about him except that he wrote the French lyrics for this. Just like this uh, Patrick, Je Patrick Jeannot. Maybe they're um, pseudonyms. Either they're pseudonyms or I'm guessing they might have been friends. Yeah, or who, friends. Who That's spoke French. Friends. Yeah, and they went, I hey, did. you know, you helped me put this into decent French. We got to credit you with this. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this might actually be the first co kind of co-write with somebody. Yeah, in a Kate Bush song. Yeah, I can't think of anything, you know, obviously barring covers, but like an original Kate Bush song that has a collaborator in the lyrics or the the songwriting. I think that's incredibly rare if there are any other instances even if maybe they both helped with the lyrics in terms of translating them. And it makes me think about the, so in Under the Ivy, the book, I'm sorry, who's the author? Graham Thompson. Uh, yes, I knew it was a Graham something. Yep. Graham Thompson. So in that book, there's a mention of when Peter Gabriel and Kate were recording The Dreaming and, and Melt, mm -hmm. uh, they tried to collaborate on a song called Ibiza. Mm-hmm. And it was never released. I'm so curious to hear what that would sound like. Me too. I know I actually talked about that on um, the uh, Peter Gabriel collaboration episodes um, with Andrew, which actually haven't come out yet, but we're pretending that we've already heard them. And <laughs> I always think it, it would have been interesting. I think it would be interesting for them to have worked together. But since Kate is such a private person and a private songwriter that I can't imagine her like sitting in the middle of a bunch of musicians just, hey, yo, jam. Like, hey, everybody, let's do blues in the key of C, you know? Right. Yeah. I think some people, some people are naturally great songwriters with other people, you know, like the Lennon McCartney's of the world. And some people like Kate are just very much their own artists, not, not collaborators, which I get, you know, it, it's hard to translate that for someone else, like the way that you write songs, especially if you've only ever worked by yourself. In the 80s, the band Erasure asked her to produce for them. 
mm-hmm. which would have been amazing because um, <laughs> I also love erasure. Mm. And she declined saying like it was out of her wheelhouse or something. And it's like, well, yeah, because she knows how she wants things to sound. And collaborating is so hard, especially in production and songwriting. So yeah. I can see how maybe it didn't really get very far, uh, Ibiza. Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush are very much their own songwriters. But I'm still so immensely curious, you know, just to even start to imagine what that might have been like. To bring it back, um, <laughs> I think that it is very unique in that, even though it's probably French translation, it's like some of the only Kate Bush songs that aren't just her credited as a songwriter. And what I especially also find interesting about this song is that it looks like it was written during a very brief time when her record company wanted to break her into French-speaking Canada. Yeah. For whatever freaking reason. I mean, it's not like, oh, well, you know, of course the French shouldn't hear about Kate. But, okay, that's kind of random. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a very random and specific demographic because it was released in France and Canada, correct? Yeah, actually, this song, uh, it's funny, it's actually had two releases, it was first re- released as the B-side of There Goes a Tenor and Suspended in Gaffa. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the title was completely misspelled and butchered. Ugh. Yeah, I saw I that would have been like, I would have circled that with a red mark and given you half credit because I could tell what you were going for, but it's wrong. <laughs> um, and the way it was misspelled, it, it means... No, it doesn't mean anything. But then in July 1983, it was released as a single in France and Canada with um, Baiser d'Enfant on the B-side. And then it got really... Actually, okay, it's been released three times. It got released on a mini LP that featured several of her other songs and only in Canada could you get this song as an extra bonus track? Yes. I actually own that mini LP <gasps> you twice. Too. Yes. I, if I had the time, I would dig it out. I own, I think, the British or American. No, I probably the American because I don't think it was released in England. Um, I own the American version, which is the black vinyl, which doesn't include Nathan Flipa. And I own the Canadian one on white vinyl, that does have Natan Flipa because Ugh. I wanted the song so bad, I got that vinyl to specifically rip the MP3 from it, which I did. So it was also better quality than like ripping it from YouTube because there was no way to get it. I bought it for that reason. So I own that weird compilation mini LP twice. It's such a random assortment of songs. It's like Babushka, James and the Cold Gun Live. Some other ones. It's it's um, like very obviously not Kate approved. <laughs> sat in your lap and suspended in gaffa. There you go. Yeah, um, it's like how where did the did, did they just like go, okay, we're just gonna go in blind and like pin the tail on the song or something? I mean, come on. <laughs> I guess they wanted to show range and also like an assortment of songs from 
Never Forever in the Dreaming, and then also Randomly Chains in the Cold Gun, which admittedly is a great live performance, but it's just like, it's so obviously just like a record company trying to make more money or, you know, release stuff in other places. You know, it's like very mm-hmm. weird. And I know that the the A-side version that was released in Canada and France that one was a remix of the mm-hmm. original and it, it does sound better <laughs> in See, my opinion I couldn't even really tell a difference except that the the first version that was released as a b-side maybe the vocals were a little bit more buried in the mix yeah than the other version yeah. okay I, guess I think it's okay. most it's mostly like the vocal volume and I think also the drums sound a little louder as well but I I have to like really listen to them clearly I know the vocals were a big part of it and it's good that they did bring them up because, um, I mean, they're great. It's a great vocal performance. So it it deserves to be heard. Indeed. Production wise, it it looks like there were only three people on this song. I mean, you were mentioning the fretless bass. That was her boyfriend, Del Palmer. Yes, classic Del. Classic Del. He also was credited with the Lynn drum programming, so that's probably the Oh, yes. I thought that was a Fairlight drum. I thought it was too. But I'm kind of wondering if maybe there was like a mixture of the two. Maybe a little bit of the drum, Lind, the Lindrum, and then a little bit of her doing stuff on the Fairlight. I know the yeah. um, uh, she is credited with the vocals and the Fairlight, and the engineer on the session was Paul Hardiman, who had worked with Kate before. Paul Hardiman, what he also did, he also did "Get Out of My House" and um, "Leave It Open." Is that right? Yeah, he actually was the the guy that she went to. After most of the other tracks had been worked on with uh, Nick Lonay, and um, he was the final guy that she went to, and they finished up Get Out of My House and a number of other songs from The Dreaming. Okay, so I'm tr- sorry, I'm Googling him as well because I. <laughs> He's okay. I'm and trying um, to I know that she worked with three different people, and one of them was Phil Hardiman, who she enjoyed working with, I remember. Yep. But I'm trying to remember the other guy's name. Okay, there before him was Nick Lonay, then before that was Hugh Pagdom, I hope I didn't pronounce his name right. His yeah. Name right. She worked with him on Sat in Your Lap. And according to Under the Ivy, 
they didn't get on very well because she wanted to it sounded like she was more into messing around with the machines and didn't quite know what she was doing and didn't understand that if you put 150 layers of something you're not going to hear every single one and Hugh basically said hey she's like she's trying to be Peter Gabriel and I've tried to tell her hey you you gotta like leave more space in your music rah just a big mess don't want to do it anymore yeah, she, he yes. was the first person that she went to. Then she went to Nick Lanay, who helped her with most of the dreaming, and then went to um, uh, Paul Hardeman. Yes, I remember Hugh Padgham. Padham, maybe? Padham, I don't know Padham. how. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Big music producer, yeah. dude. Yes. <laughs> music okay. producer. I remember from Under the Ivy, he was the one that kind of was like very frustrated working with Kate. And yeah. then, sorry, Grant Hardeman? Mm. What? Paul was, Hardeman. Oh, Paul Hardeman. Paul Hardeman. <laughs> Too many names. I, I can't. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, okay, I'm trying to find the songs that he worked on specifically. Um, well, you're looking for that, actually, speaking of from about uh, Under the Ivy. So I guess about this time, she had been getting all sorts of good press in Canada and America. And quote, this from Under the Ivy, building on these positive reactions and a subsequent foothold in the nursery slopes of the Billboard 200, EMI America had finally mobilized behind Bush's career, organizing the release of a five-track mini LP in June 1983 featuring Sat in Your Lap, James and the Cool Gun, Babushka, Suspended in Gaffa, and a French vocal version of the infant kiss called Un Baiser d'Enfant. In Canada, the mini-LP included an extra track, Ne t'en fuis pas, specifically aimed at the French-speaking Canadian market and recorded and mixed alongside the new vocal for Un Baiser d'Enfant, Bush, Palmer, and Paul Hardeman in a single day at the house in Eltham, or Eltham, Eltham, on October 16, 1982. A personal promotional tour was planned to coincide with the release of the mini-album, The Last Minute Engine Failure on the QE2, one of the least hackneyed of all rock star excuses, but Bush was still not a happy flyer, put paid to her trip, and in the end, she publicized it through a telephone interviews. Interesting. Wow, hard work. Yeah. <laughs> Promoting all that stuff. <laughs> Interesting. So she recorded it after the dreaming had already been released yes okay I, I'm sorry the whole time the reason I was like trying to find out who was like the engineer I wanted to like find the timeline so that's actually really helpful because I wanted to know when this was recorded like during the sessions now knowing that it was after it's even more interesting because it's like even it's very much a stepping stone to hounds of love so that's super interesting to think like, okay, this song, because like the infant kiss. Okay. How do you say it again? Un baiser d'enfant. Un baiser d'enfant. It's close I enough. Hope I said, yeah. Okay. <laughs> close enough. The infant kiss, the French version. Um, obviously she just had to do the vocals over, but this was an, an entirely new composition. Yeah. So that's really interesting to think of that timing and to think of that, like stylistically, she had already been influenced. And I think it makes a lot of sense because the production is sparse, but like in a great way. 
And I don't think, I don't agree with Hugh Padden's, um, you know, him saying that it's like too much production or like too much going on because I really like the, the songs that he engineered, uh, leave it open, get out of my house. I like the fact that there's a lot going on and I think that it's balanced, but Natanfli pas is very different in that it's very, you can tell like how many instruments there are and it's a little bit more simplistic and that's a good thing, you know, yeah. a little bit of less is more compared to like the maximalist approach that she maybe had in the dreaming. She kind of, you can see that she's kind of sussing it out a little bit in preparation for Hounds of Love, which had a little bit of that, like Hounds of Love, the title track, you know, it, it has a very set amount of instruments compared to the dreaming that has like a lot more going on generally. Yeah, that is very true. This is very it not only is it sparse and she's like using every instrument kind of to its maximum but also her voice is deeper too like you can feel you can hear where she starts to go with hounds of love yes yeah um and like that's a very common thing i hear with people you know uh like first time listeners like a lot of people recommend her first album or if her voice is too high they recommend Hounds of Love because it's more mid-range and lower. So like, yeah, this is sort of like a sign of what's to come in a way. Yeah. Which is really interesting and rare, I think, to have those kind of tracks in between albums. Ugh, I love it. <laughs> I know. Well, and so this is a quote I found where uh, Kate was actually talking about the production of the songs. So we are talking about the production um, this was from Electronic Soundmaker, the October 1983 issue, and this was sent to me by Bosco Sauce, who's a listener of the podcast. He sent me a link to um, a website with a guy who's been scanning in old computer magazine, computer music magazines, and he sent me a link to an article where she was actually talking about the production about um actually in this article was all about the Fairlight and different artists and how they've been using it at the time and they especially highlighted her on this and she actually talks about making Natal Fuipa which I thought was so rare that she was actually talking about the production of it because I scoured the internet webs and I could not find anything I was oh like this woman went yeah. I really sound the either and be like hey yo I got a new song Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love to read this afterwards. Um, so yeah, I'll please send, send you a it. link to, to yeah. It. But here's the part where she was. Uh, they were talking a little bit about um, the kind of the lead up to uh, Natal Pie here. For somebody who, since the age of eleven, has received their musical induction on the piano, the CMI may seem an unusual choice for enhancing compositional creativity. However, Kate talks about the machine with enthusiasm and excitement rather than foreboding, though the initial outlay was not taken lightly. Quote, when I was first going to buy the Fairlight, I was really worried because it cost so much money, about 18,000 pounds, but I haven't regretted it at all. I'm really pleased with it. It's been a great inspiration to me. Unquote. To give some examples of the uses to which the Fairlight can be applied, Kate talked about her recent single, En Francais, Ne t'en fuis pas, a large part of which was conceived and developed on the Fairlight. Quote, we got a flute sound which we sampled into it. My brother had actually played the note and sampled it into the instrument, unquote. 
They were dealing here with a single note sample, though the CMI can sample several during a period of two seconds before the quality deteriorates. Quote, in this particular case, I was quite into the idea of it sounding out of its normal pitch. Then we used an AMS chorus on it to get the effect we wanted and I worked out the chords. It was a lot of fun to play with. Then there were a couple of sounds we wanted in there. One was a laugh. Kate began sampling and ended up using one of her own as well as a friend's. Quote, I used it an octave down in pitch, so it sounded a bit strange. Unquote. I don't remember hearing a laugh. Me neither. Whoa, that is so interesting. Because the only song of hers with a laugh that I can think of is the end of Love and Anger going into the fog on the sensual world. Yeah. And also, I think Lord of the Reedy River has something like that where she like Mm. samples like weird mouth or not mouth noises, but like weird "Ah, like kind of noises. So I'm, I'm wondering. That's so weird. I am so curious. I wonder if that was taken out. Well, when did this article come out? Uh, this came out in October 1983. The single also came out in October 1983, correct? Yep. Is that in the song? That's so weird. I, I feel like I would have noticed. I know. I was listening to it on loop today on my phone, and I heard nothing. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe it was released before or it was taken out of it before it was released or something. Maybe they interviewed her before the song came out and like the last minute she took it out or something. Maybe. Or maybe it's just like really well hidden in there. I, I'm going to have to re-listen. I know. I can't think of where it is. It's so exciting to learn something new about one of your favorite songs. And I'm just like so overjoyed right now. Like all that information <laughs> was so interesting. Like, Patty playing that flute note and the fact that they put chorus on it and the mysterious Mm -hmm. laugh. Oh my God. I'm going to be listening to this nonstop. I'm going to be, I've already listened to it on a loop today. I'm like, I do not mind at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's so cool. I actually have a Fairlight virtual synthesizer thing. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you if you've ever really played around with that kind of stuff, because you make music as well. I do. Um, And I got this Fairlight VST, and it's been so cool playing around with it, like the sampling and everything. And there was a really good article, I believe, on Reverb.com that walks people through. It walks you through basically how Kate did a lot of these sounds on different, like the Fairlight and the CS80, you know, synthesizer. And it was so interesting to kind of go through how these samples were affected and altered because you really could just stick a flute and play it like that. But when you listen to stuff like Running Up That Hill, you hear these samples that have been affected in these really crazy ways, you know, pitch bent or chorus or reverb. Mm -hmm. And it gives a lot of insight into how she's making these sounds that I thought were just synth patches that are actually different samples. It's just that the whole thing with the Fairlight and the Fairlight computer musical instrument and it, they, she was doing stuff like with, with the sampling of the, this flute sound for the song, 
Like that kind of stuff is so easy to do now. I do that kind of stuff all the time in my own music too. Like I'll take a yeah. sound like um, I, I remember one time uh, banging my shoes on the stairs to make drum sounds and turning that into a song or I'll take my voice, the voice memo app on my phone and yeah. record. Oh God, there was one time I, some, some workers were working outside in um, downtown Norfolk here, uh, like right across the river from where I live. And it was these guys, they were working on something and they had these big metal tubs and I heard some banging on it as I was coming out of the, the nearby library. I went, oh, I need to record on my voicemail. Yay. And I turned that sound into, I used that sound in one of my songs. That is so funny because I did the same exact thing. Really? Um, they were replacing windows in my office building. So out on the street, there were guys smashing these glass windows and I recorded it on my voice memo phone uh, app thing mm -hmm. because I want to stick it in the fair light, you know, a la Kate and <laughs> sample it. <laughs> That's so funny. But mm -hmm. it is so easy. Like I can literally open up Ableton right now, you know, sing a note into my headphones and sample that. And back then they really had to like mic up these things and put it on a floppy disk and I'm sure like loaded up and I'm sure it was just like so much more of a hassle and so you know you really needed all this equipment to do just that and yeah. it's crazy to think about you know these strides that we that have been made in technology and music production and especially you know how innovative she was using the Fairlight as well so yeah, at about the same time, actually, um, Depeche Mode were getting more into sampling um, for yeah. their um, for their album Construction Time Again. A lot of songs on that album were made by them going, okay, we're going to go out to this junkyard out in the really seedy part of town and just record ourselves banging on random things and turn that <laughs> into songs. And they did for a lot of the songs on uh, Construction Time Again. That's amazing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, kind of about at about that was really like 1982-83, so at about the same time. Oh, yeah, seriously. Yeah, and um Fleetwood Mac Tango in the Night and Lindsey Buckingham's solo album prior um Go Insane are very Fairlight heavy. Like the samples are very clear and you can hear him like playing with all these different like percussive samples and also recording his own voice and sort of playing it as like a synth line. And that was released around the same frame of time, more mid-80s, I think, closer to Hounds of Love than maybe The Dreaming. But yeah, super, super great tool in music. Um, Seriously. Yeah, just amazing. I have, I think I probably mentioned this in a previous episode, but I have a Fairlight CMI fridge magnet on my fridge. Ooh, cool. <laughs> I love it so much that I have it on my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, it changed a lot of things. Oh, my goodness. And especially on this song, she uses the Fairlight to a really, really good effect. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That is so crazy, though. Like, knowing exactly how she got that sound is just mind-blowing. <laughs> I know. Thank I'm you, so Bosco grateful. Sauce, for sending that along. I would not have, not have found I had scoured the internet looking for stuff about this song and oh my goodness he sent it yay yes thank you bosco sauce seriously <laughs> um yeah just just amazing 
I Amazing know. production. It's just such a beautiful song. Oh, my God. It's just the music is so haunting. I love that the lyrics are so ambiguous. You could just put your own spin on it. Her yeah. use of color, her, her the way her voice sounds. And, of course, you, know, you say anything in French, I'm going to like it. I'm, I'm the biggest Francophile you ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Kate speaking in French, what a treat, right? <laughs> And a, an interesting little artifact from a a weird like time in her career when they wanted to break her in French Canada for some reason. Yeah, and probably just like to her, a sort of throwaway quick song that she made fairly quickly. I'm guessing, you know, I can't I cannot imagine that this was there was a lot of importance to her, or she placed a lot of importance on this song. I don't know. Maybe it's one of her favorite songs. I could be totally assuming that this is a throwaway to her. Um, but just guessing, like, kind of the nature in which it was written, that's how I can imagine it. But it's mm -hmm. so beautiful. Um, I know. And so strange, you know, sort of uh, just wonderful. One I of know. my favorites. Definitely. <laughs> Number three right here. Number three. Yeah. I think for me it's like number one because it's just like everything I want in that one song although it's it, it changes you know from day to day I think get out of my house has been my number one Kate Bush song for a bit and but this one has a really special place in my heart because of how weird it is sort of in in the canon of her music mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's just it's so different you don't get her singing in a foreign language other than Un baiser d'enfant and Nana Aaron <laughs> Yeah, and a little bit in Hello Earth and Coffee Home Ground German. Oh, um, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like two lines and they're spoken, you know, mm -hmm. very minimal other language. But yeah, this is, you know, a, rare, a very rare song for that reason, that it's only in French and no English version has been recorded, unlike um, The Infant Kiss. Yeah. So, yeah. It's great. <laughs> I know. I love it. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything. I think we pretty much covered everything. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. at the notes. Well, Henny, let's see. Any final thoughts on this uh, rather mysterious song? <laughs> I feel like I probably said everything I wanted to say. <laughs> I've said a lot about this song. Um, <laughs> and I... I'm guessing whoever is listening can probably tell that I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, we got two fangirls right here. Yeah, we're this both song. fangirling oh my God. really hard. Yeah. This thing's I think been going covered... for over an hour. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> we've covered a lot of ground, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm good if you're good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, too. Yay. All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today to talk about Natonfuipa. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me for this song. Of course. Je, je t'en prie. Ne <laughs> <laughs> t'en fuis pas. Although we will have to because we have to end this episode. Merci, merci. <laughs> oui, je t'en prie, je t'en prie. And I'll just end the recording right there. <laughs> All right.
If you have a favorite Kate Bush song that you would like to talk about for a future episode, or if you know something about this week's song that we didn't get to, you can email me, kbcast at linkmedia.com. You can find me on the web at kbcast.linkmedia.com. You can find me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast, and also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. And that is it for the dreaming. I have really looked at, I have really, really enjoyed going through all of these songs with everybody and talking about them and sharing them out. Strange Phenomenon now has a Patreon page. So if you would like to support the show and get exclusive content, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast. See everybody next time. I actually have been playing around with the chords for Natal Fuipa and like playing my own version of it. It sounds really pretty on just the chords. Yeah. You know, um, I have a PDF of the Kate Bush complete book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I found the lyrics through that and I was trying to learn it. Oh, <laughs> I literally have the PDF on my desktop. Like I, I wish I could like pull it out and show you. See, <laughs> I, w- I would love to just turn this into a PDF because honestly, like it's kind of like, like keeping it open. It's like, keep open. Ah, stop yeah. closing. I was open. the opposite. I actually printed out like half of it or I printed out every song that I wanted to learn so I could like have it on the piano and, you know, mm-hmm. um, but that was my old apartment, my ex's piano. Now I, it's better to have it on the computer because I just do it through a MIDI controller. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the chords are really pretty. Um, and it, ha- it is sort of, you know, has this melancholy quality, but is still a love song and still has that hopeful quality to it as well, in the choruses at least. Um, yeah. It's very beautiful. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.